0: Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Pair Beautiful podcast. One of the things that Jim Collins said in one of his books was about an executive who didn't want to play the corporate game that all of the analysts wanted him to play. And so they had the very real possibility of somehow sinking his company or making him too exposed for some kind of a leverage buyout. I think that means hostile takeover. I could be even misremembering the specific words, but basically an adverse response that he didn't want. But if he played along with the game, that would be going against his convictions. And so Jim Collins said, between option A and option B, this executive chose option Q. And I think that that's awesome, first of all. (laughs) Like, oh good, here's somebody who really was thinking outside the box. But... I think about that sometimes in relation to prayer because we come to God and we're like, Lord, this is the outcome that I want. And so for me, to be really honest, there was a time where we had a foster daughter and I wanted my heart toward her to change. I did not want to hate her. And it wasn't until a full decade later that I realized oh, the issue was not that I hated her, because I didn't hate her, but what she came carrying were things that she shouldn't have been carrying, and if I had known about deliverance, if I had known, I could have taken care of things very quickly and easily, but I didn't know, and I think about that um, this last week. I was trying to make a decision about a particular situation, and It felt like a spirit of death, like, I wish I were dead, kind of deep despair over this particular scenario. And it wasn't until after the fact, I mean, first of all, I said, I refuse to partner with you, spirit of death. I want no part of you. I want only the Lord's life. But it wasn't until after the fact that I realized, oh, I had started off with the wrong foundational supposition. And that meant that everything I was trying to build was going in the wrong direction. And so I had assumed that either I was facing a massive amount of resistance or I wasn't supposed to go in this direction. Instead of saying, "No, generally the direction is right, you just need to start with a slightly different foundation. You know, kind of shift your degrees over a little bit and then you'll be aiming in the right direction. You'll hit the moon instead of, you know, off into space. And so I say all of that to say sometimes when we pray... The Lord is doing something completely different that we would have no way to predict. In this situation with my foster daughter, he eventually <laughs> was going to teach me about spiritual warfare and about that I can actually use my particular feelings, in this case my sense of loathing, not because I was a horrible person and needed to have my heart right with God, but because I was a sensitive person And needed to learn deliverance. And so if we take this then to, in a completely different direction, what do you do if you're praying for something? Like, let's say you're a child and you're like, Lord, I really would like my family to stay together. Or my, you know, can my parents please be more kind? Or whatever the, whatever horrible situation might happen in a family. And here you have this faithful child who's praying that the Lord would change the situation. That's a really hard question. Like, Why would the Lord not do that? And as an adult and kind of as a a rational person on some level, you can kind of analyze it and be like, well, God actually gives free will to all of us. And if people choose not to move in a healthy and good direction, he's not going to invade their free will. I mean, I guess he could kill them or something, but those sorts of sudden death situations, they do happen. I'm not saying they don't, but they're pretty rare, honestly. When we look at the scriptures, there were an awful lot of people who were really defiant towards the Lord, but was it Herod Antipas who everybody started saying, oh, he's a God, he's a God, and he didn't correct them, and the Lord struck him dead. (laughs) What did Luke say? I think this is an ax. and He's like, the worms consumed him and he died or something like really awesome and like kind of medically, technically accurate. Very cool. But overall, that isn't particularly helpful for the grieving child. And so what do you do with that? (laughs) How do you move forward saying, Lord, here's a faithful child who is sad and legitimately sad and frustrated because you're not answering the prayers. And the reality is it doesn't have to just be a sad child, right? Like we've all dealt with situations where we come and we're like, please heal my mother or please heal my friend or please can you reverse this financial situation? That's really painful and unpleasant. And (laughs) often the answer is no, he doesn't. And we're left holding the failed business or the the failed marriage or we're left at the, the tomb that's not empty. It's a full tomb. And it's not easy. So what do we do with that? And I wish there was an easy answer, right? I wish there was a way to be able to say, Oh, it's just because you didn't have enough faith or, you know, like there's, I think we, it would be fun if we could rationalize these things or wrap them up with a pretty bow or say, Oh, here's the easy answer. <laughs> but that isn't actually how it works. Right. And I, I think it's beautiful. One of the things that Philip Yancey talks about in Disappointment with God is that there was a season where the Lord was so close to His people that they could get answers, <laughs> you know, kind of like they could see the visible presence of the Lord there over the tabernacle. It was guiding and directing them. They received the law and and yet it didn't actually make them more faithful. And so what we find in the scriptures is that God is still intervening in our lives and yet uh, there's there's more that we just have to take on faith and not by sight. And so, I appreciate so much his perspective that in other religions, they answer everything, but they don't actually, uh, solve anything. So, if you think about, uh, Islam, it it answers the question of everything in the world. Oh, Allah did it. You know, (laughs) easy and done. But then there's, there's no real forward progress, right? Like, there's no, Once you have the black box of like, Allah just did it, it was his will, the end, there's not really a way to bring about change. And yet, in the Christian tradition, for people who follow Jesus, he doesn't actually really answer any questions, right? Like, in the book of Job, we recognize that God answers Job by just saying, like, I'm God. (laughs) It's more complex than you realize. And Job is like, okay, you're right, it actually is. And sure, we can step back from the book of Job and say... Oh, but we understand that there's a cosmic battle and we have the bigger picture that Job was missing. And yet even with that, it's kind of like, well, why did, why did God go through with that then? Like, that's not very nice. So there's a level of saying we don't actually get the explanation. <laughs> that is not forthcoming. And so what's beautiful though is that despite the fact that we have no explanation, that our call is to go and co <laughs> labor. It's so beautiful. Our call is to go and co-labor with Jesus in the world and, and to say, I see that this thing is not put to rights, but I can do something about it. And so it's almost like we are empowered to move forward, even though we don't have any perspective as to why these things might be happening. And there's a part where I actually really, I'm not going to say I like that, but I think it gives me great hope. For the things in the world where you think that works, but I don't necessarily know why it works. Sort of like magnetism, you know, like we all know that magnets work, but why would they work? It's, I mean, like if you think about it, if you hold a magnet, like a good magnet, an inch from the refrigerator and you let it go, it jumps to the refrigerator. Like the force of magnetism is stronger in that case than the force of gravity, but Why? And anyway, like there's these questions we don't know, but we know that they're there. We know that they work. Okay. This is maybe a little bit scattered. I hope that on some level it's helpful, but I think the point is, (laughs) I don't (laughs) know, one of the many points that I've been trying to make in this rambling topic is that we don't know. We still get to co-labor and that is beautiful and that there is some level of saying, oh, If we walk things out with Jesus, that he is pleased with what we offer to him, and he maybe is less concerned about the outcomes than we might think. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, the 12, okay, well, out of the original 12 disciples, obviously Judas killed himself, and then they added back in, I think it was Matthias, so then they were back up to 12, and then out of those, 11 of them were martyred, and John remained alive exiled on the island of Patmos and I don't think that God was up in heaven like well it's too bad that all of those other 11 didn't fulfill their full purpose because they were all killed too early it, it, meaning we fulfill our purpose and in some ways, we don't get to dictate what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, there's a part where it's like, well, out of all the disciples, I, I kind of wouldn't mind the one where you're just exiled on the island and writing letters. Like, <laughs> maybe that would be a little nicer than being crucified upside down like Peter. But God is the one who's dictating, and all of those disciples serve their purposes on this earth, even though the outcome was up to God. Okay, that was really wide-ranging. So Jesus, sometimes I think I I just need to talk my way around some of these big issues because it's almost like they're too hard to face front on. And so Lord, in the way that these are hard, it's hard to try to face and question like why, Lord, is prayer hard? Why do you not answer when we call? And Jesus, I keep thinking about this picture of you just weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. Even though you knew you were going to raise him, that somehow you entered in so fully to the need, Lord, that you understood so deeply the grief. And so, Jesus, I am asking that you would come and pour out your spirit on the places that are tender and sore and tired. I'm asking that you would pour out your Holy Spirit oil on the places that need comfort and Jesus for the places where if people face them they just think I could just weep my way through this Lord I'm asking that you would go and be so gracious in the midst of that weeping that you would hold tenderly those tears I thank you Lord for the scripture that says that you capture our tears in a bottle (laughs) it's amazing Lord that they're that precious to you that you hold them Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen.